I'm Sterling Hershey, freelancer for Wizards of the Coast and the Star Wars role-playing game and miniatures game, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and MapsOfMastery.com. Hello and welcome back to the Order 66 podcast. This is February the 23rd, 2014. You are back for episode number 25 of the new FFG edition Order 66 podcast. My name is GM Dave. We have an exciting and incredible show in store for you tonight. And of course, you know, it just wouldn't be the Order 66 podcast without my cohort, my fellow partner in crime, GM Chris. Hello, boys. Hey! Oh, my goodness. Hey! We have a surprise. Surprise, surprise. I should say, and ladies. Yeah. Well, hello. This, these, these would be the dusky dulcets, ladies and germs of Twi'let goodness. It's been a long time, Miss Krista. How are you? I am doing excellent, Dave. How are you? Oh, you know, doing just fine. Unfortunately, Mr. Chris is under the weather. Yes, he is. He's got that really scratchy, sometimes sexy voice of uh, snot running down the back of your throat kind of thing going on. Yeah, I talked to Chris a little bit earlier. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, you know, and it was uh it was a mess. It was uh you know, it was it was like uh, it was like I wanted to say your eyesight will return in time. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work, but you know. It's it's not gonna work. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, GM Chris is a scratch for tonight. So we're gonna take over the show. This Woo-hoo! show is gonna be called T G Strikes Back or Takes Over or something. I don't know. You guys figure it out in the chat room. You guys are good for that. Uh, at any rate, you know what? We you know have what? we have we have these little things that we do called announcements and um 
See, I wouldn't know this because I honestly never listen <laughs> to the Order 66 podcast. So, yeah. So there. So you're just going to have to tell me what to do and then okay. I'll do it. No problem. No problem. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to go over some announcements. So, yeah. Like, okay. post-haste. All right. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements. The featured podcast this week, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? For gamers who got or really never lost that love of your classic box set RPGs, you know there's a place for you guys on the interwebs, and that place is the Save or Die podcast. It's devoted to all the box sets of classic or original D&D. It's hosted by Mike, Liz, Glenn, and Jim. And, of course, produced by our very own DM Vince. Yep. They recently released episode number 85, All the World's Monsters. Yeah, can you believe that? 85. Yeah. So in other words, more than three times what the Order 66, new Order 66 podcast has done. Impressive. Yeah, most impressive. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but, you know, I say that, and then um, I say that, and then episode number 85 is All the World's Monsters. And they are joined by Barrel Maze creator Greg Gillespie, the uh, those those fantastic five, if you will, Review one of the classics of old steel gaming, um, Chaosium's All the World's Monsters, which is volumes one, two, three. And this is straight from the Anything Goes days of the mid seventies. The first volume of this set actually preceded the D and D Monster Manual to uh, to to publication. If you guys remember that that far, um, and this provided diehard original D and D judges with hundreds of. In- of inventive and insane monsters, which would kill their players' hapless characters. Anyway, it was it was a fun time. Uh, mm-hmm. Long, long out of print. Uh, difficult to find these um, uh, classic collections from a day gone by are, are are out again now in a handy, of course, PDF format. And this is a great review of a once again new resource. So you guys go check it out, and and uh, you can find that podcast and and several other awesomeness and uh, super good podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Okay, so I think I got the hang of this announcement stuff and I've got an announcement I want to add in there. All right. All right. Gamer Nation Con baby. Gamer Nation Woo-hoo. Con. Yeah. March 14th through the 16th. It cometh so head to the gamernationcon.com website for all the details because i don't have them in front of me so i can't give them to you oh that's all right you know what i'm still getting the hang of this announcement thing right you know there's a ton of of uh, events that have already been registered and there's some people actually on waiting lists now for uh, that have signed up for events that are already full like pandemic, for example, filled up like incredibly fast, and so I'm uh, probably going to have a couple of more sessions pop up there. But uh, if you guys, uh, you know, you only have three weeks to uh, to get in, get registered. If you want to run some events, let us know. We're still uh, about a dozen 
uh, volunteers shy from last nose count, I think. So if you guys want to run games, be a GM, hey, by all means, head over there and, uh, and, and, and load up. There's a little tutorial there of how to, um, what do you say, load your own events up there. So, yeah, do it. Have a great time at it, too, you know, because uh, the more the merrier, and we're going to have fun with uh, 150 of our closest friends. Yeah, we are. Uh, oh, hey, guess what's coming up? It's that time, right? It's time to start talking about conventions. And, yes. of course, we talk about ours. ReaperCon's going to be coming up in, in uh, late, oh, it's April. I'm sorry, in April, in the middle of April. And then there's also this thing called Origins. I, I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's like... I- it's on a small scale, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, no. <laughs> so you should talk about it so that way people will, will find out more about it, you know? Perfect. I'm sure a whole lot don't know much about it. Yeah, perfect. You know what? Origins Game Fair, June 11th through the 15th, one of the flagship conventions in, in the U.S. And, of course, D20 Radio, as always, will be represented long time usual attendee d20 radio zone vaderson who you guys would know possibly as duncan McEwen, will be running some old school star wars games and by old school we mean old school like saga i don't know like if he's gonna D6? be running six i and, and, and that's what that's what i don't know if he's okay. i don't think he's running d6 but it's gonna be saga uh. for certain and i know that he's gonna he's he, depending on what people want, he may run some uh, Fantasy Flight, but uh, uh, for sure he's got some Saga uh, modules in tow and uh, will be ready to go for Origins Game Fair. Cool. That sounds cool. So I heard that there is some FFG news about the Jewel of Yavin. Oh. Uh huh. So apparently for some time. Fans have been asking when FFG will publish any more read-to-play hardbound adventures for the Edge of the Empire. Well, last month FFG announced, in case you hadn't heard, Dave, I assume that you had, but, you know. I heard it through the grapevine. Okay. So the Jewel of Yavin adventure module, which is focused on a gem heist and a con scheme, um, is coming out, and it will include an awesome... Grand Prix on Cloud City. <laughs> like, that sounds so fun. And according to the article, it'll include more detailed rules for racing. See? And today, of course, the Daytona 500, you guys know I'm a NASCAR junkie, right? <clears throat> it's perfect for us to, like, announce this on the day of the Daytona 500. I wonder if they're going to have rules in there for if you want to turn right instead of left. I don't know. They might. <laughs> how, do, how do they handle that? What kind of role is maybe, that? Maybe they have a wall there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they also mentioned that Age of Rebellion core rulebook is to release in quarter two of 2014, which would be starting May, June, July, one of those. So um, this gets everybody excited because... I think everyone is expecting it to be released at Gen Con, but they're saying it's going to happen before Gen Con. 
Yeah. But I think we'll kind of have to wait to see if that holds true. Well, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I kind of have this feeling because I don't know, maybe, oh, maybe they come, maybe because they've done it before. <laughs> they're going to they release this guy. They seem to kind of hold true with when they yeah. say they're going to release something. Yes. Or like when they said they were going to, nobody expected them to release the first right. uh, copies in Gen Con in right. 2012. So. So this time they're going to have, this is Dave speculating, by the way. This is not Dave breaking his NDA. This is Dave speculating that they're going to have this out on time. And we are going to see a beta of Force and Destiny at Gen Con. That's kind of been the rule of thumb, right? They had the Age of Rebellion beta ready to go at Gen Con. And I fully believe they'll have a beta ready to go this year for Force and Destiny, which would be the third and final big book. Makes sense, right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So So for anybody that wants any more Star Wars gaming news, they can always go to fantasyflightgames.com. Dot the comma. Perfect. And, of course, you guys stay in the know. Of any other juicy announcements that come up, you guys can follow D20 Radio on Facebook. We have almost 500 members of D20 Radio Nation. Yes, isn't it awesome? You guys check us out uh, on Facebook. Uh, Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at GM Dave. She is at... What are you? Are you Tweet Like Goodness? You're not Tweet Like Goodness on Twitter, I am actually on Tweet Like Goodness on That's awesome. <laughs> Chris is at GM Chris on Twitter. We uh, we post, we tweet. I tweet a lot now for uh, some high school stuff that I do. Um, so I, I tweet a heck of a lot more for, for, that, for that stuff than I do for the show. But, uh, you know, we still tweet about the show. So you guys follow us and, you know do that kind of stuff um we're gonna stop now for a few minutes now and we're going to listen to the dusky dulcets of fiddleback fiddleback you guys can find all his good stuff at the mad adventures.com yep and um we will take a a note now and uh, and listen to skill monkey which i believe is called iron chef and so Let's see what that has in store for us right now. Skill Monkey! Skill checks are one of the most narratively creative elements in FFG's Star Wars system. They represent opportunities for players and GMs to work together to create the kind of stories and adventures that become epic and cinematic. At least, they can be epic and cinematic if you think creatively about the dice results. Let me show you what I mean. Every so often, the skill monkey receives a distress call from one of the galaxy's many fine citizens. Most of the time, they're of the help, help, I'm being repressed variety, which cause the skill monkey to run right off and perform some sort of thrilling heroics, much to the amazement of those around him. Occasionally, though, among all the requests for assistance, payment, and donations to the Little Mandalore's Orphan Fund, a genuinely important message makes its way through the clutter and ends up front and center on the skill monkey's desk, just waiting to be noticed. Such was the case just last week when I was contacted by someone calling himself Barefoot Tour Guide. Now, footwear issues aside, 
he had a request the skill monkey just could not ignore. It went a little something like this. SWF seeks SWM sugar daddy for... Oh, uh, uh, wrong message. Uh, oh, here it is. Oh, God, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please help me. I'm unworthy to bask in your glow. Please bestow your benevolent advice upon my poor, miserable person that I may hope to rise somewhat in the estimation of my fellow crew members as a not totally incapable slab of bantha poodoo. I may be paraphrasing somewhat. He goes on. My smuggler is trying to impress the celebrity by making her a fancy dinner. What skill would you use? I'm thinking charm, but knowledge also would play a part. A fair question. Let me begin by saying that one should never try to make a fancy dinner out of a celebrity. They tend to be stringy and tough without enough meat to really get any nutritional value. Add in the fact they are often full of a wide variety of questionable chemicals with many adverse effects, and there's no telling what strange ailments one might contract no matter how thorough the preparation techniques used. Now, to the meat of your question. See what I did there? What skill should you use, charm or knowledge? Well, knowledge education for the actual cooking. Presumably someone taught your PC how to cook at some stage, whether that is formal training or simply watching mom and dad. More points here simply mean a higher quality of education in the subject. Dice in opposition would represent the complexity of the dish being attempted. Knowledge xenology, if the dish is particularly exotic or the recipient is of a more exotic species than, for example, those presented in the rulebooks. Results of this could modify the knowledge education role above or simply reflect key adjustments to taste for the recipient. Similarly, knowledge core worlds and outer rim, depending on where the recipient is from or where their home world is, or knowledge lore to find particularly impressive recipes or prepare very special dishes which signify something in particular to a culture and to know how to present them properly. Think Japanese tea ceremony. Knowledge underworld could be used to acquire rare and heavily controlled ingredients. I can't imagine that rancor glands are available in any but the blackest of markets, for example. If you have to substitute more common ingredients for those that are difficult to find, you may be looking at a deception check to pull it off, especially if the recipient is familiar with how the dish should taste. Discipline would not be unreasonable to call for if the dish takes an extraordinary amount of time to prepare properly. Everyone knows that Nexus steaks need a minimum three days and a constantly monitored marinade to reach the peak of perfection, and missing any one of the necessary rotations and reinvigorations can ruin the dish. You might call for a medicine check if the intended dish contains biological material that, if handled improperly, could result in the death of anyone eating it. Pufferfish, anyone? Perception could be used to make sure the dish is hitting the right stages at just the right moments. The difference between eggs that are just right and eggs that have been on too long can be measured in seconds if you aren't watching it. Similarly, vigilance can be used to determine whether your souffle is going to survive the next few minutes as a souffle or whether you ought to be calling it a pancake. Cool can represent you keeping your head if, in the middle of preparation, something goes wrong and you have to try a different approach. Charm could be used in the final presentation. Is the dish pleasing to look at? Is it presented in an appropriate way on the plate? Does it invite the eye to taste the dish as much as the mouth? Speaking of presentation, you could certainly use coordination if the PC is doing the serving himself. 
If the dinner is crucial to ongoing interactions, then you'd certainly do better not to spill it all over the guests during the serving. Now, the nice thing about this approach is that your meal has become something the entire crew can participate in and contribute to in their own special way. Instead of being an inconsequential why-bother single roll of the dice that you could just as easily narrate away without it really affecting anything, you've built a skill challenge that adds to the story in a significant way and is far more interesting. The whole meal, from selection of ingredients to presentation and service, becomes an event. You wouldn't do this with every meal, but for the important ones, like impressing a celebrity, it makes sense to take this approach. Soon, you could find yourself preparing a sumptuous seven-course meal for key senators meeting for the first time to decide whether or not the skill monkey should be appointed to the head of the Galactic Entertainment Committee and the fat subsidy that entails. Wouldn't want to screw that up, would you? No, sir. Or, you know, just roll streetwise and order in. Well done to the fiddlebacker. <laughs> that was that was pretty good. Had me over here chuckling quite a bit a couple times. What happens if Chef Gordon Ramsay shows up? That's not good enough. I don't know what the hell you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you guys check him out. Skill Monkey. MadAdventures.com. And you can find episodes of Potal Pottle Potal Pot L Potel Pot E L Bat Pottle Bat Potal Bat Pottle Bat Dave Yeah Pottle Bat Yeah whatever That Chris always mispronounces it so I was just making fun of it like really well fun Anyway Yeah Well good job Yeah Slow clap Slow clap Thank you Yeah there you go. Okay. Um, so we've got um, we've got some messages. And, okay, is um, that part of the normal show? I mean, I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. We have a we have a few we have a few messages, and uh, the really funny thing is that somewhere along the way, my um, messages from the edge, even though I made it. Um, the messages for the edge, like, uh, file that I usually play to say, Hey, messages from the edge is, uh, is corrupt and it's not playing right now at this very time because it's just, it's mocking me. It's sitting here mocking me. Well, why don't we do this? We'll just make up our own on the, on the fly, right? So I'll say messages from the edge. That's what we're going to try. And you can do like music with your mouth from, you know, background music. <clears throat> You ready? I am. Three. I'm almost ready. Oh no! But here it comes. Oh. Need to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. When all else fails, nuke the old file and bring it in from the host. You know, that's what I always say. Yeah. So this is Messages from the Edge. This is our regular show segment where we take time to answer some questions, games, rules, whatever about the system. And you guys are so um, gracious and take your time to ask us. And how can you ask us these questions, you might ask? Well, the easiest way is to go to our forums 
and post it right there. It's d20radio.com slash forums. All you have to do is register, get yourself a username, see if you can get past the spam bots. And if you do, then you'll be allowed to actually post in the D20 Radio forums. And once you do that, you go over, you find a Messages from the Edge thread. And in there, you can post up, and you'll probably get responses from us way back. Actually, you'll get responses from the community before you get it from us. But then we might put you on the show, so, you know, then you get to be famous. Sort of. Anyway, either that or record your questions and email them to gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, or if you are brave, you can call the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. Or 262. What? What? I know this one. It's 262-320-7234. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right, so there's a question here that I actually have found from Brometheus. Did I say that right? Brometheus. Yes, you did. Bro. Hey, bro. I'm just going to call him bro. So bro says, Generals Dave and Chris, episodes ago, you answered my question about a difficult group dynamic. Now, I beg you to help me in my struggle against another challenge. I have within my group an excellent slicer fresh off of Tatooine with enormous ambitions. His greatest ambition is to slice a Star Destroyer so proficiently that he is able to take remote control of it. What? Okay. While I am <laughs> never one to squash creativity, well, that's good, I don't want to underplay the difficulty of such a mon- monumental task. I, yeah. I, I shouldn't be adding commentary as I read. I'm sorry. I'll continue. I require... It's more fun advice. that way, though. Okay. All right. I require your advice on what you think would be appropriate opposition to such an attempt. You know, he is so well-spoken, or at least well-written. Okay, he says, help me, Dave and Chris. You're my only hope. Wow. I've never uh, I've never heard anyone say you're my only hope before. That's really... Yeah, they should put that in the Star Wars movies. It would fit so well, especially in that one that was about hope, right? Uh, it had, like, yeah. hope in the title. Yeah, the Star Wars A New Hope, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that one. That's what I would, that's what I would, yeah, I would absolutely do that. So, okay. yeah, so, bro, bro. Bro. You know, uh, you actually got some really good advice already on the forums for this topic, and... So it, it's not hard for me to to answer this question, and plus I, I'm not going to answer questions as good as Chris does. <laughs> Either way, I'm just going to echo what's already been said and expand on it a little bit more. So first, remember or realize that a Star Destroyer is a kilometer-long miniature city that requires hundreds or thousands thousands of people to operate it okay part of that operation is multiple independent interlinked computer systems which are the best in the galaxy your gut what well what would you i mean would this be the equivalent of like trying to hack the entire earth no. Or maybe not so big. No, I would say maybe trying to hack the Federal Reserve. 
Okay. Well, that's that's still pretty. Okay. That's still pretty. Well, it may even be harder than that. I don't know. You know, I mean, your gut, it, you know, bro, your gut's probably telling you, and it's probably rightly so, that this is impossible for a single slicer to remotely take over an entire Star Destroyer. But this is a system of yeses and not no's. So could you know could it very well be impossible for a single badass to remotely access and slice the dozens or hundreds of systems needed to remotely control a star destroyer eh. impossible is still a, a skill check that can be made in this system just remember that right the check would require hours, if not days, for the character to make. The slicer creates sub-programs, algorithms, decide to launch all at once, enslave to each other, and work in unison across the entire ship. It also have to have the impossible difficulty. You know, we're talking five purple dice with the required expenditure of a destiny point for no benefit. By the way, if you really want to look that up, go to page 18, the Edge of the Empire core rulebook. And that's just the base difficulty, my man. Overcoming the natural slicing countermeasures on an Imperial Star Destroyer would probably cause some kind of a, maybe a setback dice or two. And most likely upgrade two or more of the purple ones to red challenge dice. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. I mean, slicing a single system is going to be more realistic, I think, in the intermediate term. What do you think? I mean, you th- that, it make, that makes sense. Or at least something that's going to, like, he has to build up towards. So maybe yeah. a series of sessions devoted to gathering group of people or programs to fire at the same time. There you go. See, I mean, if, if if this guy really, really wants to make it his mission in life, it's his ambition to take over a Star Destroyer in a remote fashion. Laugh at him first, point at him, call him names, and then let him try. And exactly what you just said, you know, maybe a bunch of different checks over a series of Shessons that allow him to pull this, you know, this is the ultimate score, right? To be able to to remotely take over a, a Star Destroyer, you know? And then you're right. After a few sessions, heck, give him a shot to attempt it. And then... then what does he do after that? Oh, well, what? now you got to ask that question, right? <laughs> exactly. What do you do with the Star Destroyer that you can control remotely? I don't know. But that's the cool thing, right? This is like super ultimate role-playing at its finest. So go ahead and encourage it. You know, if he doesn't make it, then, you know, what have you lost, really? He's tried. He didn't make it. And you're not the douchebag GM who said, no, you cannot do that. That well, is against the rules. So it, it's, it echoes life, right? You should always ask yourself if you're going to attempt something that's new and different. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I fail. All right. There you what's go. so bad about failing? Yeah, perfect. You know, if it doesn't hurt anything, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the worst that can happen? All right. Good question, Prometheus. We appreciate it. What's next? Our next question is from Darth Omnid. <sighs> and this is going to be paraphrased. Okay. I humbly come to ask for advice regarding narrating minion groups in combat, since it's something I've been struggling with. Minion groups... Now, Dave, 
Yes. Are we talking about the little yellow minions? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're talking about little like groups of three or four that act together and as a single little unit instead of uh, instead of like uh, four different threats. Oh, you know what? I could have kept reading. It says it right here. Minion groups act together as a single <laughs> unit. So in combat, all the members of the group will be making the same maneuvers and actions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Narratively, though, this is this is Darth Omnid saying, narratively, though, I figured things could be more flexible. So far, what I've been describing, the actions of the group as a whole, to produce narratives like this. The minions spread out and take aim with their pistols, sending blaster bolts shrieking across the room towards the party. Attack roll. Success! Most of the bolts miss their marks, veering past harmlessly and scorching the opposite wall, but one of the bolts finds its target and hits player who was my intended target for the minion group. Is this general idea adequate, or is there something else I could do narratively? The main issue I wanted to address here is that a group of minions might not necessarily be targeting the same PC for the sake of narrative, but the mechanics are such, as I understand them, that there can only be one target per minion group. Well. All right, Omnid, good question. And the answer is yes. Next question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> basically dude you're handling it perfect i mean we we really wanted to share this question so that other people could hear an excellent example of how to narrate minion groups right so you can say there's nothing prohibit you from saying dude all these blaster bolts are firing at your party everywhere they're scorching the the they're scorching the blast door next to the wookie's head but one bolt finds its mark and it hits the Twi'lek right in the face. Fine, you can do that. That's you know, but that was the intended target of the minion group. That's great, you know. But wait, wait. what? What? Why did you have to say Twi'lek? Huh? <laughs> so it just—it. Yeah. I don't know why the mm-hmm. Twi'lek just kind of. I mean, I'll in, say in the face. It hits it, the gand. Twi'lek in the face. It hits the gand in the face. Okay, that's acceptable. <laughs> Carry on. All right. So after the gand got hit in the face, then um, anyway, so. I mean, what what I guess what I'm what I'm saying is don't feel too worried that a group of minions narratively targets only one PCs. I mean, uh, a squad of soldiers or fighters fighters will, will commonly focus on a, a single threat. But uh, overall, you know, if your players are satisfied with your narration, there's really nothing else you need to do. So we decided to share your example because it was uh, the prototypical example of a good story. So keep up the good work. He's perfect. Yes, perfect. All right. So we have another question. I believe this will probably be our last one. Okie dokie. Isaac Priestley hits us. We're going to call him Ike. Ike. I like Ike. So our last question is, I've seen some questions lately on how people manage the process of finding and buying goods. Ooh, this sounds like a good one. Yeah. Ooh, I love buying goods. Okay, for example, <laughs> how do you incorporate the rarity value into the negotiation role? Ooh, I like negotiating. How do you set prices based on rarity? How do you find and buy restricted items? From a more fluffy narrative perspective, I like fluffy. Do you have players role negotiation when they say, I want to find and buy a blaster rifle? Or do you have them 
roleplay shopping at several different stores, making negotiation rolls at each. Uh, I show Fluffy! Fluffy! Alright, good questions, right? So, buying crap. Let's just lump it in a bucket. <clears throat> this can easily wait, become... Wait, 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 wait. You're putting crap in a bucket? <laughs> I am, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Alright, just check it in there on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so okay, so going out and just trying to buy crap is or can be kind of a snooze fest in the game, right? It, it, you can make it boring, and if you want to, or you know, you can make it—I don't know—a little bit more fun. So let's tackle one of your last questions first. Ultimately, you should always uh, make rolls the way that it's the most fun for the group, but generally your players are going to are gonna thank you if you just simplify it a little bit. So remember the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Make one roll to see if you can find the blaster rifle, and this should represent checking multiple stores and dealers. And the same roll used to find the thing should also influence how the price might change. Do you, do you follow there? I mean... You know, if this makes sense, a difficult item to find is going to be harder to purchase as well for, you know, for that very reason. And merchants know this, right? Yeah. So now that you've got that understood, how, how does how does rarity really play into this? Well, the rarity of an item actually, you know, sets the difficulty of the negotiation check to find the thing and pay for it. So each rarity equates to a difficulty for your check. This is actually, you can find it on, on page 150 in the Edge of the Empire Core rulebook, table 5-1. But rarities are, you know, can actually be modified based on a galactic location or other factors, and this is on the same page in table 5-2. So if you want to find a blaster rifle based, uh, you know, rarity 5, but I'm on Coruscant, which is a rarity modifier of minus 2... Because Coruscant has everything you ever needed because it's so freaking huge and it's basically a single planet of giant proportions. So the adjusted rarity is actually three, which makes it easy. One purple die on your negotiation check. Success and you find it. Failure and you can't find it. Or maybe you just can't purchase it. Maybe all the licenses are gone or something like that. Narrate as you please. And now it's time to head to the black market, for example. Uh, yeah, as far as price goes, the base price of an item already accounts for its rarity, so there's not too much wiggle room there, you know, if when you when you go to the book. Our blaster rifle's base cost is 900 credits, so if multiple successes happen or two or more advantages are generated or maybe, you know, maybe you get a triumph, the cost could be reduced maybe by 10% or maybe 20% if you found a really good deal. Uh, you know, if if what if you know threat what if you generate some threat or you know maybe not a despair but you know you might have an increased price of 10% or so because it's pretty hard to find and the one guy is just you know you just didn't do that good at negotiating and he knows he's got you over the barrel and you really need it and there's not anything else on planet and he knows it so you have to pay more fine great wonderful but, you know, like I said before, threat, uh, a triumph and despair can wind up coming up and, and having some pretty decent results. And you get more of a, um, you know, more of a, you know, you run into the merchant and he's an old friend. Or you find out that you accidentally killed the sister of the guy who runs the store, you know, in a, in a speeder accident while you were drunk. 
Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. And then your price could go up or down by 25% or more because of triumph and despair. I don't know. But keep it to one role and then let that guide everything else. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It keeps the game moving when you keep it to one role. Yeah. Not bogged down. Is buying stuff really the action? And if it is, then you need to have a session with a lot of different types of skill checks and adventures about getting that super, super rare item or whatever. Yeah, you could exactly wind up going on a quest to find it. That's yeah, that's a very yeah. that's a that's a that's a great suggestion right there. So if it's itself. not quest worthy, then keep it to one roll. There it's you TG's go. Rule. See, that's TG's rule number one. That's right. That's what we're talking about right here. So, all right. So, speaking of finding crap, I think mm-hmm. that's a really good segue to um, segue segue on over to uh, to Watto's. And so, uh, why don't we uh, take a look at the uh, black market? Let's do that. Let me take that back, huh? Let me find what you need. See, I'm always early on that. I love that one. I know that's one of my that's one of my more uh, favorite little beds right there. You know, mm. I had that old one. I guess the uh, one that uh, my daughter's friend made that was um, God. It was I don't remember what it was now. That was my favorite bed back in the Star Wars Saga edition days. But uh, yeah, Watto's Black Market, man. We're uh, what are we looking for today? Do you have any idea what? Uh, I, I think we got a question about this. Yeah, I think we did. So it looks like um, we're going to Watto's today on behalf of a good friend, uh, Kai Bell Iblis. Ah, yes, Mr. Mm. Iblis. Hello, Mr. Iblis. Hello, Iblis. Hello. So Hello. this is what he wrote to us, which is why we are here at the black market. Huh? He says... Uh, Hey, Watto, don't know if you deal in uh, ship components, but I'm quite drawn uh, to tractor. Of course we do. Hey. All right. Well, what I need to know is what are their capabilities, and can they be used in creative ways? So does ship silhouette or speed make any difference in their effects or the difficulty? Can we use them on people or their weapons? Do you think handheld tractor beam guns for the personal scale would be a feasible mod? Are there any in the EU? My crew is shopping for ships. That's a difficult phrase, almost difficult phrase to say. My crew is shopping for ships. <laughs> and I'm a bit of a scavenger myself, whereas my bodyguard droid, AD87, prefers to just destroy everything. Oh, sounds like my dog. I'm trying to convince the others that a tractor beam is valuable and worth the HP space. If we can tractor in a big gun from a defeated ship, that might be worth it. Mm. Mm. He uh, casually slips some creds into the table. By nice. Excellent. Hey, that's a good question. You know what? I mean, tractor beams are going back to the very first Star Wars film actually released. You know, there was a big scene about the tractor beam. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, Tractor Beam's iconic piece of Star Wars tech. Yep, it and, is. I mean, I, you know, I personal scale tractor beams, by the way, you know, I mean, I hate it when my tractor beam goes off accidentally, prematurely. It just, it happens. It, you know, one, <laughs> in, one it, in five, you know, I mean, it happens. It, yes, Dave. Yeah, sorry. You yes, know. It's uh, we'll, okay. We'll, okay, we'll talk about personal tech in a second. I'm sorry. I, I probably All shouldn't. Right. Oh, dang. Yeah, that. let's 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 keep oh. the mood light for right now. Okay. We won't wait to get to the depressing stuff until a little bit later. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All we right. can do that then. Okay. Um, all right. So, Edge of the uh, Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook. You can open up your book and take a look at the tractor beams on the uh, the starship scale mentioned on page two twenty nine. By the way, with a detailed weapon quality information back on page one fifty seven. Um, they are actually modified shield generators that pr- pr- project electromagnetic beams to trap a target and hold it in place or move it around in a certain way. So, I mean, that's really what it is, right? So That sounds really cool. That sounds really super geeky. I just want to walk around all day tomorrow at work and say tractor beams are actually modified shield generators that project <laughs> electromagnetic beams. I mean... I, yeah, they would give me weird looks because I sound smart, and I'm going to convince myself that's the reason why I get the weird looks. See, that's it, because, yeah, if you play yourself off as smart, perception is reality. It's true. You know, I mean, that's it, right? Yep. So where have you seen this in, in the movies or, you know, in your games? In, in lights, large capital ships, starport mm. space stations, that's new moon, it's a space station, Orbital shipyards have them, you know, to grab the ship and slowly bring it toward them uh, or tow them safely into docking bays. And the same facilities and some smaller ships will also use tractor beams to ferry cargo around in space from place to place or from ship to ship. And, and, uh, you know, you've seen it used in combat. Heavy-duty tractor beams to grab a ship and pull it in so that you can board it. This happens at the very beginning of Star Wars. Okay, three categories of ship tractor beams. This one flipped the page to 230. There are three categories, light, medium, and heavy. Medium and heavy tractor beams can operate at a short range, while light is limited only to close range. Each also has a tractor Rating 2, 4, and 6 for light, medium, and heavy, respectively. The rating actually sets the difficulty for any ensnared ship to escape the beams. So, what, what happens there, basically? How does that work? Yeah. So, as a pilot, you're going to make a piloting check with a number of difficulty dice equal to the rating of the tractor beam to escape it. Does that make sense to you? Pretty easy, right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, you know, as awesome as Han Solo is, he could not get out of the Death Star's heavy tractor beam in episode four because six purple is just way too hard. So you're telling me he couldn't pull out because six purple is just way too hard? Even for Han. (laughs) Even for Han. Yes. See how the double entendre works so much better with a boy and girl show? It does. Yes. It does. 
<laughs> okay, so if a ship has to be does it does it matter the size of the ship? So can a can any size ship have like a heavy? Oh, hey, that's a really good question actually. You know what? And you're 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 on the right track. A ship does have to be big enough to be able to mount the tractor beams, right? So you have to be able to to secure them to your ship. So a silhouette style four, which is like the Millennium Falcon or most other cargo ships, mm-hmm. is the smallest ship that can support a tractor beam. And even then, uh, a silhouette four ship is limited to um, a rating two tractor beam, so just a light tractor beam. Most pilots, you know, that are worth anything can defeat two purple dice, so light tractor beams are usually used just for cargo movement. Okay. Now, when you get into some of these guys... These big, big, big ships. Silhouettes like 5 through 10. They can mount medium and heavy tractor beams. So, you know, that's a 4 and a 6 difficulty. That will present some real combat threats for even a good pilot. And I don't know. I, I it, They're not cheap either, though. You know, that's what you got. I can't imagine they are if they've got so much power. Yes, the ultimate power. Yeah, dude, the, when you're talking about the, the 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 two, four, and six ratings, the you know your your light, medium, and heavy, mm-hmm. you're talking six thousand, eight thousand, and ten thousand credits, respectively. Ugh. And the rarity increases more and more and more. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense though. Yeah. It's logical. It is logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Are yeah. there any, so back to one of his questions he was talking about, are there any personal scale tractor beams? Well, if you look through your core rule book, you will find on page, uh, well, no, you won't actually. They, they're, they're, they're not in the core rule book, but <laughs> there was a tactical tractor beam that was part, and I say was, you can say is, but you know you don't know what Disney's going to do with the EU. It was, it is, or it was part of Star Wars EU. It has nasty power requirements, still relatively massive in size, and it and it still has to be a mounted weapon, like on a large droid or a vehicle or a big tripod. You know, for example, with a secondary power generator. It's not okay, something you're just going to carry around like a blaster rifle. All right, because when you say mounted weapon, and you're talking about a personal scale, I'm glad you clarified there because. Yeah. I wasn't sure where that was going. Yes, yes. Got you're it. not just gonna Yeah, you're not just gonna unbuckle and BAM here take a look <laughs> at my tractor beat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it all comes back full circle to the tractor beam. Yeah, yes. Personal tractor beam. Yes, yes. Well anyway, these things are, are you know, if you take a look, they're most commonly used in the EU for moving junk and debris around on uh, on a kind of a personal scale, meaning construction or demolition work. Uh, very rare, very expensive. I would, I would think if a clever GM wanted to homebrew a solution, then it should only function on a silhouette three or smaller target, maybe even a two or smaller, and have a tractor beam rating of two. And if it ensnared a person, I would make the target do athletics or coordination against the tractor beam rating to escape it instead of, you know, having a pilot check or something like that on a vehicle. 
I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Yep. I've never um, heard of such a thing, but hey, you know what? It's, it was a good question. Yeah. Um, so what? What about using it creatively as a GM? Oh, you know, they're, you know, they are really. It's, it's, it's the boon of a GM that wants to take a, a PC ship into anywhere specific. Yes, you can say it's railroading, but tractor beams are. They fit the part of the lore of Star Wars. So if you use it sparingly and you're not always making the ship go to a certain place, I don't think you'll have a problem. So it's um, it, it, it literally is your get-into-jail-free card for the GM, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you, yeah. If, if you want the party to explore a facility, guess what? They enter orbit and are caught in a tractor beam by a heavy tractor beam. Is it possible Yes, it's possible the team could escape. It's just incredibly unlikely. So, you know, and I'll, let me turn the tables on you. How, you know, as a player, and I know you're very creative at the table. Sometimes I just, I just, uh, my, my jaw just drops while you and Kat think of all these crazy things to do as players. <laughs> Any ideas what you might use it for as a player? There's tons of ideas here. So um, I think you could thieve. With it, so as an outer rim bandit, maybe you should love tractor beams. They're gonna allow your ship to abscond with anything that is not tied down. Anything you see, <laughs> without a pilot actively moving against you, an empty ship or mass or orbital or cargo should reasonably be stolen quite easily, right? Yeah, I so, would think so. And then based off of what you described earlier, even a light tractor beam would work. Yeah. So you could practically just get a ship as long as it doesn't have anybody inside of it or anybody piloting it. (laughs) So your idea is to steal anything that's not bolted down. Heck yeah. (laughs) Why not? Why not? You could use it as, um, well, shields. So think of it this way. Tractor in a piece of some kind of space debris, and it serves as a shield in a pinch. I Okay, um, I see what you're saying. Just Yeah, but facing would kind of be a thing, right? Right. Because you can only have it on one side of your ship, so you'd have to be careful about that. Yeah. But if, it, if you're in a tight space, maybe if you've got your ship backed up into a corner so nothing else can come around you, pull in a piece of space for debris in front of you and you're kind of pretty well protected until i don't know somebody figures out how to get rid of it or dude i the the gm railroad you or something (laughs) what about this this just came in the uh this came in out of echo base by the way and this is darth unamid what if you want to fake force powers that's clever. You could have somebody on the tractor beam, and you're like reaching out with your hand and moving this giant thing. <laughs> <laughs> that well, you know, I mean, granted, you're in the dark time, so you don't want to just bring attention to yourself. But uh, yeah, you know. But if you need to, maybe get the attention of somebody who. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm a badass. Do not mess with me. Yeah. No, that's that could be very useful. So I think there's a lot of other things that a group of creative players can suggest for a tractor beam. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, yeah. I'm even, with you. Even personal tractor beams that 
that, you know, have a hard time staying around. <laughs> They're well, useful. They're useful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Extremely Mucho, very much. Um, and this was Kai Bell Iblis, if I remember correctly. Yes. Who uh, put in the uh, question about the tractor beam. So thank you very much for sending us down that little jaunt on Tractor Beam Lane through Watto's Bargain Basement or whatever, Black Market now. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's what used to be one of my favorite beds because we used to use the Sanford and Son theme. Mm-hmm. Bum, 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 bum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was greatness, but anyway. All right, so we don't have fragments this week, but we do have uh, transmissions from the rim and uh, we will take about three and a half minutes right now and stop down for that one and we'll catch you guys on the other side the galaxy is full of disreputable scum reluctant allies villains and sappy do-gooders knowing who to trust and who to betray is your best chance of staying alive in the outer rim mr steel can give you information on anyone you need to know more about why don't you head to his booth but be sure to buy him a drink for his time if you're lucky, he'll let you listen to his latest transmission from the rim. Well, hello there. It's been a while since you last sat at my table. I hope you didn't catch any of that sickness I spoke of last time. Well, let's get straight to business. Things have been gotten rather busy around here, and I've been having to do my fair share of travel just to keep my affairs in order, so I don't have much time. While you're gone, however, it appears my droid finally returned. I haven't had a chance to listen to his transmission yet. Would you like to have a listen? Good. Let's give it a go. This transmission is Type 2 classified. Anybody listening without a Type 2 clearance will be court-martialed. Begin transmission. Agent, keep your eye out for a Thalassian flavor. Call himself Blood Prince Union. The Thalassian has gained a lot of power in the complicated command structure that is the Thalassian flavors, and has claimed the title Blood Prince, though we believe the title comes with a few detractors. Though for now, Elium is not one to be messed with. He has gathered a substantial fleet of slaving vessels and appears to be looking for some place to set up his own operation. It is no wonder this flavor has gotten so much power. The man is a monster. He is intimidating as hell, has an ungodly presence, not to mention the toughness and agility to back it up. Evian wields a nasty, modified Mersan C-22 flame carbine, a weapon he calls the Screamer. After boarding the ship with his prey, Ilium finds that the screams of one or two of its crew members burning alive to his weapon is enough to make the rest of the crew submit to his will without further incident. Ilion may be a little crazy. He is reported to be immune to flame itself. His face and most of his body is half covered with burn scars, but instead of hurting him, it appears to make him stronger. Ilion fears no flame, and some say he just wants to watch the whole galaxy Beside the flame carbine, Elian is known to carry a disruptor pistol, mainly because it's expected of him, rather than of actual use. If the close-up kill he's after, he prefers to use his trusty vibro knife to make the kill all the more personal. If you do hear that Blood Prince Elian is in your area, your orders are not to engage, but to gather as much information as you can. While this Elian is a monster, he is not yet directly affected Imperial business. Let the reputation of this ruthless pirate grow. That way, the goodwill the Empire earns when we do 
eradicate the galaxy of this menace is that much greater. For the glory of the Empire, end transmission. More Thalassian pirates to worry about. Just great. Luckily, the local moth had decided to use the edge of our sector as our fleet training ground. The imps don't bug us, but their presence way out there should be enough to deter more Thalassian nonsense. From what I hear, the moth's a real tough-as-nails bitch, too. You know, I'll tell you more about her next time we meet. Right now, I have some more business to attend to. So long. So long, so long, farewell. Thank you very much, as usual, and I will get this up in a little bit, but um, you can find Mr. Steele's latest NPC write-up and stat block on the GSA, and head over to gsa.thegamernation.org to find it. Well, but maybe by the time you listen to this message, we'll be able to get it posted <laughs> up there. But um, <clears throat> what do you say? You think it's time to maybe gear up for the meat of the show? I'm I'm feeling a little attached to the show at this point, so oh. I'm I'm feeling dedicated and devoted enough to get right at the meat. Well, what a great segue. funny you speak of attachments mm. what's that because last year even though it was just a few months ago we <laughs> got an email from gary simpson mm. and i am going to i'm going to ask you to read his email okay i'm gonna see what i can do with this email yo here dave yo so, hello, Order 66 podcast. I never listen to you. That's us. Yay. My fellow players are having some issues with customizing gear. We find it a bit confusing. It's like you have to make a mechanics check sometimes, but not others. And stuff can be added to your weapons and different mods. I'm just confused. You guys always explain things so I can understand it. So can you do so again? Please talk about customization and modifications to weapons. I promise I won't listen. Sex in advance. Gary. Ah, he said sex in advance. Sex <laughs> in advance with his tractor beam. <laughs> yes. Uh, dude, you know what? <clears throat> this uh, request has been added to... Um, a couple of other forum posts and email requests we've gotten in the last few months, and especially as supplement books are beginning, uh, you know, to bring out new weapons and new attachments to the game. And um, for some players, you know, it's as clear as anything. And for others, especially those that come in from other systems, for example, it's it's like a bag of cats. Me. Yeah. So tonight, I think we will do our best. I don't know if we'll do it as well as if Chris were here. However, we're going to do our best to assist you, young Padawan. I don't know, Dave. I do it pretty well. I, I have, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> I, legendary. I mean, just this this, this uh, stories are, are legend. Uh, 
Oh, a tons of stories, yes, I'm sure. Yes, yes. So, yeah. you know, either way, we're, we're going to give it all we got right here, right now. Right now. And give you a basic overview of customizing your gear, how to do it, when to do it, and what it can add to your game. So, we will ask you to grab your toolkits. Pull up a stool at the workbench and warm up your Hydra Spanner as we get way too attached tonight on the Order 66 podcast. And the music ends right like that. It's almost like perfect. Oh my gosh. Yay. Yeah. You're genius, Dave. Well, yeah, I, I think that was producer. just. I think it was just lucky uh, because I wasn't looking at the count. So. You know, it just happens. So, you know, when all else fails and I need a bed, where do you go? There you go. That's where you go. You go to Max Rebo and you say, hey, dude, lay me down some fat licks. There you go. Bam. Lay me down some fat licks. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the basics? That would help me a lot. Okay. So what are some of the terms and words? Okay, there you go. That's a good idea. So we can start with a basic vocabulary, if you will. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. Before we can really get into this, we have to kind of, you know, clarify some terms and some of the, you know, things, some of the things we're going to be saying and some of the terms that the book uses. And uh, so we don't have any kind of confusion as we go forward. And most of our discussion is going to be taking place in the uh, customizations and modifications section of the Edge of the Empire Core rulebook. And that's going to start on page. 187. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so turn to it and you will find attachments. I've got, I mean, Chris and I have been together for over 10 years now. We're pretty attached to each other. See? You know? And my daughter's going through this phase. She's three and a half. You know how attached, like dropping her off at school in the morning. Uh huh. Can't get her off the leg. Right. Try to shake her off. It's that kind of attachment, right? Yeah. Well, it kind of is, actually, because, you know, an attachment is pretty much what you said, right? Because you're, what, what happens? You have your daughter, and she attaches directly to your leg. Well, and Chris, too. Right. Exactly. So an attachment is basically exactly what it sounds like. Something you buy. You put mm-hmm. it directly on a piece of gear. Click, snap. There it is. Bam. Or in your case, a daughter, and she click, snap, grab, and she's right there on your leg. Oh, okay. Perfect, right? So, do you do you have to like roll a check to install your daughter on your leg? No. No, it's exactly. Like automatic. Yeah, exactly. It just happens. So you don't need a mechanics check to install any attachments. You find it, pay for it, put it on. Easy. Bam. Okay. So, what if you had three daughters? Um, wow. I guess I would have one on each leg and then maybe well, one you... on another attachment or <laughs> arm See, that's, or... That's the thing, right? You only have two legs. Yeah. So, I don't know. Bring this... Bring this. Uh, every attachment takes up hard points. Okay? So, it, I mean, okay. I know we're, we keep using the daughter and the leg example, but, <laughs> you know, every attachment is going to take up what are called... HP or hard points on the item, and items only have so many hard points, and this will be noted in the purchase table for that item. So when you get it, you'll know how many hard points you have, 
and you'll a- often have to pick which attachments you really want on an item because you only have so many places that you can put them and so many attachments that you can actually put on the item, right? Okay, so if I if I have an attachment on there, can I take it off later if I find something else? Why not? Okay. Uh, there's attachments, cool. right? Sure. All so right. So what about, okay, what about benefits? Yeah, tell me about the benefits. So, okay. This it's it's a basic benefit, right? It's just part of the attachment description. So, it is uh, a little section there called base modifiers. So the base modifier section tells you exactly what the base benefit is of putting the attachment on your gun, you know, or your sword or your suit of armor or whatever, right? So there there are weapon attachments, armor attachments. There's things like a, a scope. Ah, okay. So I see here it's a telescopic optical sight. Right. That's the it, I I just call it's it a scope. The scope. Yeah. Okay. So it, it it what does that one do really? I mean, as a base modifier, it, re, it just re, allows you to reduce the difficulty of a range combat check by one when you're longer extreme range. It's it's a scope. Okay. So as an assassin, you would like that on your. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what about the? I see one here. Balanced hilt. Looks like it lets you treat that melee weapon as if it had that accurate one quality. So basically, it grants you one blue boost die when using it. Oh, yeah. Using that weapon that it's attached to. So you're balancing the hill. Okay. All right. No, I get it. It's making it a little bit easier to handle. and Exactly. You know, difference between a really balanced knife and one that's just poorly constructed and cuts your fingers <clears throat> off try to use it yeah exactly or like you know or like the the strength enhancement system or strength enhancing system which is you know i you know technically you just call it power armor oh you know it just attaches to your armor base modifier and it increases your brawn by one while you're wearing it that's it easy it doesn't increase the soaker wound threshold but you know i mean they're you know they're just it just makes you a little stronger yeah, they're easy, right? Okay, and they don't they don't take anything special to add them on. They just click it in and then use it, whatever it does. Yeah, any any, you know, well, to put it even a caveman can do it. <laughs> just buy one, put it in a slot if it fits. Basic cost is, you know, is is on the table. The... Wait, wait, wait. I gotta pay money for this? Well, you don't get anything for free in Star Aww. Wars. I mean, come okay. on. Okay. Yeah. So there's a there's a cost table? Yeah, there's a whole table, yeah. It's a oh. table 511, uh, weapon and armor attachments, page 189 of the core rule book, and you'll see it. Easy peasy, right? And the... Um, uh, that'll give you everything you need in the description of the attachment. Also tells you what weapons or armor that it applies to. You know, for example, the balance hilt that we talked about earlier is for any melee weapon. Oh, I can't put it on like um, my armor. <laughs> no, you, you, probably not. I don't, you, know. <laughs> no. you know, but <clears throat> then again, I mean, do you really want to put a forearm grip on a knife? No. Just a you know, it's just going to be one of those things that you attach to your rifle, but not heavy rifle, you know. So you're going to attach it to your rifle or carbine, and because it says so, I mean, it's right there. Don't you know? 
Don't make it. It's in the description. It's what the rules say, damn it. What do the rules say? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I think our I think our bed died. Oh yeah, it did. Well, I can find another one, I guess. Uh, let's uh, let's find. <gasps> okay, there we got another one. It's quiet. You remember when Palpatine is talking to Anakin? This powerful Sith even managed to stop death. And you can learn these, but not from a Jedi. Yes, indeed. Okay. So mods. Mods. Oh, I yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That means modification. Bringing it back in. Yo. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 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 So a mod so, is exactly. Yeah. It's a modification. It is a modification or adjustment made to a stock attachment. So it's an adjustment to an attachment. I can see where this gets really confusing. Yeah, yeah, it could. It really could. But just remember, when you hear mod, you're not necessarily. It's not necessarily a modification of. You know the the. It's it's just a, it's it's just an adjustment to the attachment, right? So you got to have time, money, and a mechanics check. This is where the checks start coming in. Okay, you know? why? Why is that? Well, I mean, think about it. You're, you're, you know, let's, let's look at your forearm grip. You want to make it better, so you're going to start jacking with it, right? So, the adjust the the modification or adjustment, you're basically screwing with an off the rack attachment to try and make it better, right? You're trying to cue somebody instead of pwn somebody because cue is more than p better. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. If you're successful, you get more out of your attachment. As you modify it. And most of those attachments that we talked about earlier have a listed series of mods that can be applied to them. And there's no limit of how many you can do for a specific attachment. But it gets harder and harder and more costly every single time you do it. But we, you know, we'll come to that. Okay. So it sounds like the mods are the real power and benefit of attachments. So attachments, they're great and da dandy, but you really want to modify stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you guys are wondering, the, the entry for each attachment has a modification options section that tells you what mod that particular attachment can have. Okay, so are there different types of attachments and modifications like I, I it's it's star wars it's a an rpg there's classifications oh yeah of course of okay. course yeah so you're right the, the the it's it's simple and the base modifier and the mod benefits that uh that can be provided fall into certain categories as you say right so um weapon or armor, for example, in, in, in this system, an attachment will fall into one of only two categories. Weapons or armor. Okay. So, you know, we talked about this before, right, a little bit. You know, some, some attachments are, are, are more restrictive, you know, only certain weapon types, you know, like that one before we talked about a rifle but not a heavy rifle. 
but this will be this is all noted in the attachment description. So hopefully it, that won't become too much of a sticking point. Okay. Right. So, you know, I mean, what about what about other stuff? Can you mod other stuff? You know, based off of what you said and what I can see in the book, it doesn't look like you can mod anything. Like you wouldn't be able to put an attachment on your toolkit or your data pad that it's only for weapons and armor. Yeah, exactly. Because other gear, well, it doesn't have hard points. Right. You can't attach to anything that doesn't have hard points. So exactly. Yeah, so it makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, let's let's talk a little bit about attachment and mod categories. So we talked, you know, weapon or armor attachments. And now there are the categories or the types of benefits that you can receive from attachments and mods. Maybe that's maybe that makes a little does that make a little more sense to say, so. you know, type of benefit, you know, or like mod types or attachment types or whatnot, you know? So so maybe it gives you some kind of skill bonus or maybe it gives you damage or um, some additional skill or something. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's there's mods that are gonna. Uh, well, you said it. Like the first the, the first one I can think of off the top of my head is damage. Right, okay. simple, easy. You know, it, it this particular attachment or mod increases the damage dealt by a weapon. Maybe it has a uh, uh, a, a, a shorter barrel or something along those lines, or it's uh, uh, it makes it a better hit. Mm-hmm. So you do more damage. Okay. Um, I don't know. What else can you think of? Well, I guess um, weapon, maybe, because we were talking about the telescopic optical yeah. sight, the scope. Yeah, so yeah. So I bet there's, there. well, I'm looking, there's a bunch that are weapon quality. So they'll add a quality to a weapon, such as accurate one. Yeah. Uh, and those are going to be on, what, page 154 through 57 in the book. And then the other thing I can think of is is maybe innate talents, um, which I think is probably pretty cool. So basically you have this attachment or mod of an item that, item that will uh, grant you the use of a talent you don't have. Um, I guess the best example I could think of would be the filed front side attachment which gives you oh, yeah. quick draw talent for using that particular item you file off the front sight and you can draw the damn weapon faster yes yeah and that's that's like yeah i mean quick draw is a staple for a lot of guys you know you, you wind up needing that talent and you can just get it you know by by uh by putting that that uh that attachment. I mean, that's just that's freaking awesome, is what that is. Yeah, um, and then I said the maybe giving you some skill and characteristics. Oh yeah, yeah. Bonuses. So they we talked get about you, that uh, armor, that piece of armor thing. Yeah, the strength enhancing system, and there's got to be some others that probably don't fit into those, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are a few. Like, um, um, let let's. What about like the bipod mount, for example? You know that 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 uh, it looks like a uh, an inverted Art V. Thingy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It looks like an inverted V that sticks off the bottom of a really big gun. 
it, it it allows you to kind of brace it a little bit, right? So it decreases the cumbersome quality of the weapon uh, that has that cumbersome quality by two, as long as you're firing from a prone position. So as you know, in other words, you're using a big honking gun and you're bracing the weapon on the ground while prone using this prong thingy, <laughs> that bipod mount, excuse me, and uh, so it, it allows you to decrease the uh, the cumbersome quality of the weapon. You know, and that's just, uh, you know, that's just one thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, so that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of uh, talking about the different mods and, and, and attachment types and all that stuff. So why don't we get into the process of using an attachment and then modifying those attachments. All right. I see this as being a five step process. Oh, Hey, five steps, five steps, not a 12 step, five steps, not five steps. We're going to make it simple. Okay. Okay. Kiss, right? Keep it simple. stupid. (laughs) So five steps. We're going to pick an attachment. We're going to find the attachment. We're going to slap the attachment. <laughs> We're going to slap it? <laughs> We're going to slap it on your weapon or armor. Oh, right? okay. Just like okay. saying slap your attachment. It, it sounds better. You're going to mod that shizzle, and then you're going to make more mods. Wow. Isn't that... Uh, seems I, I, seems uh, simple to me, right? I, 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 isn't that the same for procreation? <laughs> you, pick you, an attachment. You, you pick yes. a hoe. You find the hoe. You slap the hoe. <laughs> <laughs> you mod the hoe, and then you make more hoes. I mean, that's it, it right? You you mod the chisel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You make more mods. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's. Why don't we go through the steps individually and kind of. Okay. Kind of. You remember the first step? Yeah, that was the yeah with the picking an attachment out, right? So I mean, yeah. it it may sound silly, but. This is actually a very important decision. It, you know, if you have a well, holdout blast, huh? Yeah, if you have, like you're saying, if you have one hard point. Yeah, yeah, that's you exactly where I was going. One attachment. Yeah, so you have to make a, 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 a choice. You know, if you have a holdout blaster that only has one, I'm just using that as an example, one hard point, you have to be selective in terms of what you're going to put on there, right? So you look at what the attachment hard point cost is what the mod options can ultimately offer and this is the kind of work that you have to do before a session starts don't oh come on don't you want to do it at the table when everybody else is standing around and the gm says all right time to go let's start playing why like all right i need to pick an attachment yeah why yeah exactly yeah then you're just being a dork (laughs) All right. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this do it beforehand. Come to the table and say, hey, Mr. GM, I want this. Okay, great. And then you go off and try and find it. Oh, by the way, that happens to be step two. Wow. Okay. So we talked about this in the negotiation checks earlier in the episode. So I'm going to see if I can maybe tie these things together. Um So it should work the same way. Each attachment has its own rarity. Right. So it equates to a difficulty on a negotiation or knowledge check, Mm -hmm. which, again, you can find this on page 150. And if I want to find the bipod mount, which has a rarity of one, 
um, my base difficulty is actually zero. So, therefore, I don't even need to make a check. Yep. But if I want to score some Cortosis Weaver for my armor... Oh, boy. Yeah, that's got a rarity of eight. So, I'm starting at four purple dice. Yikes. Yeah, and if you have a mean GM like me who (laughs) flips a destiny point, now you're looking at three purples and a red, pal. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. So if... So I guess step two, if you can find it and you can afford it, it's yours. That's right. And then all you got to do is slap it. You got to slap it. Slap it around a little bit. That's right. So No checks. You bought it, own it, you slap it. That's right. No returns. Yep. Oh, you probably need to write it on your character sheet. Yeah, probably. It's a good idea, too. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, step three, you put the damn thing on your damn weapon or armor. So, exactly. So then, step four? Now you can mod it, right? You've got it installed, so now you can now you can mod it. And this, by the way, boys and girls, this is where the real benefit of a lot of these attachments actually lie. Not, not every attachment have mod options, but some have up to four. Wow. So, you know, and this kind of has its own little subset, right? So you, here you have to pick a mod and then you have to slap the mod well you know what i mean go get it pay for it let's say it's 100 credits then you have to make a check because the first mod that uh, on an attachment requires a hard mechanics check so that's three purple dice and you know what the cool thing is, and and some people are gonna some people are gonna say no, this is not cool. Some people are gonna say, man, that's really hard. I don't know why you do that. I am in the I am firmly in the camp of this is really cool. You go and you buy a cake recipe, and you put the cake in the oven, and you burn the cake. Do you get to try again to make the cake? No. Throw it away. Start over, and that's exactly what happens here. Your mod on an attachment, if you fail, you don't get to install the mod on the attachment. Oh, Ever. see, so this is where the whole thing, it sounds too good to be true. Here's here's where the fine print is. If you, what's the worst could, that could happen? You waste your attachment. Well, the right? well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst you can happen, you can fail with a despair and actually break the uh, the attachment, and then you could never mod it, and the attachment breaks and you lose all the benefits. Oh man! Yeah. But if but if you succeed, you've modded your attachment. Yes, indeed, you have, and and you know, and then you note the new mod. On your character sheet. Woohoo! Cool. Yeah, and how then about that? The last step is just to make more mods, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you could, but it gets crazy. Uh, I bet it gets expensive. Yep. It also it can, it can, it can actually get dangerous. But I bet it's useful. Oh, sure. Risk, risk reward, right? It, it, you right. have to build that into the system. Absolutely. You know, so as we said before, right, some attachments have multiple mod options, and you absolutely can add multiple mods to the same attachment. 
But every single mod beyond the first costs an extra 100 credits. And it makes the mechanics check difficulty harder by a one purple die each time. So then the second mod is 200 creds and then a four purple dice mechanics yep. difficulty. Then the third mod's 300 and has five purple yep. dice difficulty and then so on. And then what if you get to a fourth? Oh my goodness. Six purple dice? Are you kidding me? You better be freaking you better be awesome if you're going to But go if after you can that. pull it off, I mean you're getting a lot of benefit for your time and money, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, let me give you an example, right? So Okay. Let's look at the blaster actuating module, which is on page 188. I'll give you just a second to thumb over to the book. Okay, Dumble. good. All right, this is a badass attachment. You can uh, only be used on ranged uh light blaster pistol, right? It eats up a one hard point. It's 500 creds and has a rarity of four. It supercharges a pistol, for lack of any better term, and it ups the the stopping power, but it also makes it a little bit harder to control. So the base modifier is an increase in weapon damage by one point, but it also gives you a black setback die on checks to use it because it's it's harder to wield. Right, it's like a it's like a gun with a bigger kick, so it's harder to hit something. So you impose a black setback setback die. Okay. All right, it's cool in and of itself, right? But it has four mod options. This wow. Is, yeah, this is where it gets crazy. So it's got two plus one damage mods. So you've already got plus one for for. For the attachment, you can you can mod it twice to add another plus one each time. So if you can pull it off, you get a plus three out of the deal. That's pretty cool. So if you do the fourth one, I think earlier we were talking about if you go all the way to four, yeah. would you do six purple dice? Six, but, yeah. But correct me if i'm wrong i think you can only do five and then you do five and a destiny point we were talking about that earlier with trying to do like the the death star the impossible difficulty that's set to five purple dice yeah with the death with the i don't you know what that's a good question because i i honestly haven't gone that far into it i would i would i would keep with the six oh I would just go with six, you know, and, and, and just, you know, because it's saying an extra hundred credit and an extra die, you know, I would just go with six. And I, I, I you know, I, you know, I, what you're talking about is, <clears throat> no, you know what? You're right. Dang it. That's what I would go with. You're right. You're right. You're right. The five with a destiny point. That's the impossible it, difficulty, right? Because that's well, Dave. That's what's in the rules. Oh, oh yeah. my god. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so to do everything that you're talking about with this weapon, it would require a total of twenty-two hundred credits, if I've done the math right. So that's wait. So seven hundred for the pistol. Yeah. 500 for the attachment, and then it's 1,000 for all four mods. So that's 2,200. 
And that would require four successful mechanics checks with a three purple difficulty, then four, then five, then five with a destiny point. It's yeah, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, that's that that's that that's yeah. You're right. You know that's that's got to be the way it goes because those are your that's how your 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 the progression of the difficulty goes right. So it's daunting and and all that jazz, and then you get to impossible, which is going to be the five plus the destiny point. So, dude, if you pull it off, though, okay. So now I've got... Now I'm having a hard time with this. So, earlier we talked about this guy. You can... So, basically, let me get this right. I can modify a weapon four times, or I can take control of a Star Destroyer. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. I know, I'm just messing up. <laughs> Because it's how it's how the GM decides to set the difficult. I mean, yes, he sets it at yeah. impossible, but maybe it's impossible to do one of the systems, and maybe yeah. there's I know and multiple that's, systems. Was, you know, yeah, and I, I, that's absolutely the way I would go with it. Is is you know you're breaking into one system at a time, and I was just kind of I don't know. I think I was just kind of being a dork. <laughs> you're allowed, but yeah, it's it's you know it's dude. If if you could actually pull that off. I mean, you, you've got a hand cannon. That's a good word for it. That's a yeah. really good word for it. I hand mean, can. Oh, you know, we've talked about personal oh. tractor beams and hand cannons and not being able to pull out. It just all kind of goes together tonight. That's perfect. Hey, maybe we've got ourselves an episode title. Pull out with my hand cannon and your tractor beam. <laughs> I like it. Pull oh wait, or pull out of my tractor beam with a hand cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I I don't know. Uh, Facebook uh Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Chat room go to work. Chat room figure it out for us. Yeah, exactly. Um all right, so you know, relatively short episode tonight, but let's sum it all up. You know, let's let's hopefully, you know, the 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 modification and attachment and we you know, once we, we kinda figured out Chris was sick and, and a, a couple of days ago, so we kinda picked a, a topic that the two of us could handle relatively easily. And hopefully what we've talked to, about today makes sense for you guys and and in the end you know, customizing your gear through attachments and, and mods is very useful, very powerful. Um, it, it benefits you for, for something as, as insignificant as credits, you know, with some good mechanical know-how. It, it, it gives you all kinds of new abilities and stuff. You can turn a, a ranged light weapon into a ranged heavy output machine! You can use gear to increase your characteristics because... That's not easy after character creation. Oh, heck yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yep. Um, use your gear to increase skill ranks without spending any XP. Yeah. Um, someone else can customize your gear, and you get the benefit. So the party mechanic can do this work for everybody. The Dude. dumbest Trandoshan can still benefit from a tricked out fibro axe. That's right, because he makes the scorekeeper happy. 
So what are the drawbacks to this thing, right? I mean, you know, I mean, in the end, yeah. gear customization is just gear customization. Yeah, the gear can be lost or destroyed or stolen or rendered obsolete. Yeah, it, or, you know, if, and, and if you screw it up, you could lose it or break it. And you've got to buy and start all over again if that happens. That yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's, you, you take the good with the bad, you know. I mean, not not too many GMs I know out there are, are, are in the habit of taking away weaponry from their players unless they, unless their players have really min-maxed it and, and they're just trying to make a point. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of that go on in your games. But, hey, you never know. It might happen. But, uh, you know, use it judiciously like anything else. And you will get a good hard return. <laughs> I like hard returns. <laughs> Here we go again. All right, guys. So um, we leave you with what? How how do you become a member of the Gamer Nation? Um, you go to d20radio.com slash forums there you can register and you post your mind of course yes and you can leave a liner and tell us why you never listen to the older 66 podcast of course email us gm david d20 radio.com gm chris at d20 radio.com we even have tweet at goodness at d20 radio.com but you hardly ever get any mail at it because you don't participate. Get imagine that you have a child and you no longer all three of you or both of you no longer participate on the show. Isn't that amazing? How does that happen? I don't. I don't. It's the whole attachment thing. I mean, you know, for one of us, for me to come here, she was attached to her dad. So yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, you guys call us two six two D twenty radio or. Two six two three two zero seven two three four, and leave us a liner and tell us why you never listen to the Order sixty six podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely, we don't get enough of those these days. Yeah. I want every single person who listens to this to call the moment you hear this and leave a liner. I want the first half of your next episode to be nothing. But liners, and I want, I want them to all say because Twilight Goodness told me to. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem. That's the challenge. We right can there. do that. Can y'all rise to the challenge of the uh, tractor? You, you know, you could use a personal tractor beam in order to help rise to the challenge. We probably could. Yeah, probably could. So, with that, wait a second. Holy hmm. smokes. Hmm. You know, you, you know what, you know what you're going to have to say, right? Except you're going to have to say it a little bit differently. Do, do you, well, you never listen, right? So, do you really know what uh, GM Chris says at the end of the show? Peace, love, and good gaming. That's right! Yes! 
and I'm going to say keep them dice rolling. And I'm also going to tell you that well, I don't know if we're going to get a show in before Gamer Nation Con, but uh, who knows? At, at some point in time, episode number 27 of the show will indeed show up. And I'm pretty sure I said episode 25 off the top of the show. And the only I reason think- I say that is because my uh, partner, who I am now very mad at, put uh, episode 25 on the top of the show notes. And, um, you know, I'm See, like I'm like Ron Burgundy. You put it in there, I'm going to read it. So If I if I had written the show notes, it would have been correct. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have but, been. But we wouldn't have been talking about all of the awesome content that we talked about. Yes, tonight. yes, so, yes. To be fair. Yes, yes. Exactly. So we will say... Peace, love, and good gaming. And for the second time, keep them dice rolling. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. Go fuck yourself, Gamer Nation. You know, we haven't had a post show in a while, and of course, it's going to be where GM Chris is not on the show for us to do a post. Yay. You know, and I didn't mean it, by the way. I uh, I was dared to do it in the chat room to to go all uh, a la Ron Burgundy, and uh, you know, I don't Dave remember. Dave Burgundy. We, yeah, Dave Burgundy. Let's try it, Dave Burgundy here. I'm Dave Burgundy. What? I don't know. You know, I am. Um, I'm excited about a certain thing that's happening uh, three weeks from today. Actually, it's going to have wound up three weeks from today. Your pup, your dog's having puppies? No. 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 That would be hard. They're both boys. That's true. Although, if they were having puppies, it would be a very exciting event. It would be an adoption because it's a same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's totally cool. So, um, three weeks from tonight... We will have concluded our very first Gamer Nation Con. Woohoo! That's right. Three dog will be over. Three days of gaming goodness will be over three weeks from tonight. Three weeks, three days. How many threes can we throw out there? Uh, three volunteers spots left. Uh, no, there's more. There's that. more than that. Three times three. Three times three cubed. No. That's not, that's just, yeah, three times three volunteer spots left. How about that? That works. It works. It, it, it does. And so, so okay, so I, I told you the story yesterday, and I, um, I'm i going to tell it again. Okay. If you guys haven't noticed, there was a uh, girl, Girl Scout, 
who uh, drew some fire. Her parent, it's more appropriate, more more actually specifically drew fire from, of course, the religious right. And um, for setting up her Girl Scout cookie sales table outside a marijuana dispensary. Yeah. The girl sold, I don't remember, some ungodly number of Girl Scout cookies in a period of two hours. And you know what? I think she's freaking genius. It's smart. If it's in a state that's it's legal, legal, yeah. Well, then why not? Yeah. I mean, why? Why should she necessarily? You know, especially if it's it's. Well, I don't know. Was it medical marijuana's place? Or I honestly a, don't remember. I think it might have been, but either way, either way, you smoke the stuff and you get the munchies and you walk out and there's Girl Scout cookies sitting in front of you. What are you going to do? You're going to buy a box or two or four. Or so I've heard. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, because none of us have, you know, we're in a state where it's illegal. None of us have experience with that stuff. You know, I mean, you're a mother of a very young daughter. There's no way. You would never subject your kid to that. Nope. You know, I, uh, although I hate the, 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 you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know. My, uh, my wife and daughter are so drastically allergic to all this crap in the air that I, 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 I like to be so naive as to think that I would know it if, um, if, if my daughter ever tried it because she'd get incredibly sick with an allergic reaction. I, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I do, you know, back in, back in high school, you know, my wife will admit to the trying it once, you know, and her allergies were so severe that she almost had to go to the hospital off of like a single hit. And yeah. because she's so dead, and then she, you know, she told that to Taylor. She's like, "If you try it, there's no guarantee that you're not going to have the same reaction because they have a lot of the same allergies." And so, you know, I don't know. It just, um, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been one to even like any kind of hot smoke. Yeah, just I don't like any smoke around me at all. So it's, I've never even been interested, honestly, but. More power to whoever. Now, I like the aroma However, of a good cigar. And, you know, yeah. I'll smoke cigars and stuff. But uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't I will, like that I whole skunky smell of marijuana. I just, I can't stand it. So I will tell you though, when Chris and I have been to a couple of concerts, yeah, in the past like six months, and um, and we went to, oh gosh, what was one of our last ones? We went to Imagine Dragons. And you can only imagine it's it was mm-hmm. everywhere, and we just recently on Wednesday, in fact, went to the Eagles concert. They were in town, amazing concert. Yeah, I walked in telling my, uh, telling Chris that, you know, oh yeah, it's gonna be everywhere. We had floor seats. We were the youngest people at the concert. You know, everyone else was in their 50s or 60s or even older. I'm not kidding you. But I expected it to be everywhere. Nope. Really? Here as could be. I was kind of shocked. Maybe up in the we maybe up in the uh, higher seats. Mm-hmm. I bet there was something going on, but not It's interesting. Either. Yeah, I went to a Rush concert in Jesus. It, yeah. It was like a, uh, it was a marijuana dispensary in that place. <laughs> Did I tell you, Dave, that I won um, 
a contest on the radio. Really? And I got tickets to a concert and um, some Sherry's Berries. Love chocolate-covered strawberries. Yes. So, um, yeah, which we're talking about concerts. It made me think of it. But on Wednesday, I'm going to the Cher concert. <laughs> Is that not awesome? Do you Aren't believe? You so excited? Yeah, I know. Plastic Lady... Oh, I love her. I, you know, I can't argue with them. You know, I can't argue with her talent. She's a talented singer and um, actress. Yeah, I just, I just don't. I, I'm not, I'm not fond of her work. I think you know her and uh, Michael Bolton and somebody else, um, Whitney Houston. Those are the three artists. If I hear the song, I change the channel immediately. That's just the way it is. I'm just I'm just not a fan, but you know you can't argue with her success, right? So, yeah, it's it's hard to argue with uh with with that. You can you can like it, you can not like it, but you cannot argue with the fact that there's talent there. It's true. It's true. So I'm pretty excited about that. So here's here are the questions that I was asked, and I had to guess. There's one item. And they gave me two clues to guess what this one item was. <clears throat> okay. okay. I'm going to throw it at you and see if you can figure it out. Okay. So the first one is it was its first known production was in 6000 BC. Okay. Okay. Second question is it is sometimes used in religious ceremonies. Sometimes used in religious ceremonies? Uh huh. Huh. Religious ceremonies. Fire. <laughs> no, I'll give you a third clue, which they didn't really say, but that it was that the the thing was happening during the week of Valentine's. So it, all of their responses for all of their quizzes that week had been related to Valentine's in some way. Oh, really? Yes. Huh, religious, 6,000 B.C., and therefore it is um, <clears throat> handcuffs. <laughs> I think those are probably invented way before 6,000 B.C. It is wine. 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 Really, I would have, I would have, uh, wow, they invented been... wine way back then, huh? Yeah, that. That long ago. That's pretty good. I'm fairly impressed by that, Twilight like Goodness. Well, thank you. I hey. felt pretty proud of myself. Yeah, and now you get to go Obviously. see Cher. Now I get to go see Cher. Heck yeah. What station was this, by the way? It was 103.7 K-Love. Or K, not K-Love. K- oh, K-Love's 98.7. I remember that. Okay, it's 103.7 K-L-A-K. Clack. Clackety clack. Don't talk Or they clack. say K-Lake. K-Lake. I remember when 103.7 was my favorite, my, my parents' favorite radio station. It was KVIL. The great Ralph Chapman. Maybe it is KVIL. Being one of the <laughs> pioneers know. of radio here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he goes by Ron on the air, but I know his name to be really Ralph. So I call him Ralph Chapman. Just to be a, a dick that way. Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know him, uh, but, you know, I'm sure he was uh, 
he ruled the airwaves with an iron fist at times. But uh, yeah, that was one of their favorite radio stations. It may, I mean, I don't know. They, you know, stations change their call letters all the damn time. So it's, you know, as they they farm out their various uh, frequencies, you know, it, the, because these conglomerates own all these various frequencies and so they just swap yeah. frequencies with stations and so all of a sudden you know kvil may change into am 780 or something and yeah they take their they're owned by cbs this is cbs not cnn i don't know anyway but yeah, so you guys, uh, if you uh, if you still need a ticket, there are a few tickets remaining available at GamerNationCon.com. You guys check that out to kind of come back full circle to the to the Gamer Nation convention that we're having in a few weeks. And we cannot wait to see all of our peeps. The, uh, the Eons Kickstarter ended. I don't think we've had a show since the Eons Kickstarter ended. Um, we did really well. We didn't hit the big board, but uh, we did good. Yeah. We did really good, and so all those uh, art, um, all the art for all the planets and all that is done. We're waiting on uh, the box, the final box art. We didn't hit the big box, as I said before, so we're uh, we're going to get that, I think, from uh, Mr. West, Chris West, map maker extraordinaire, uh, Monday or Tuesday, and then all the art and all that stuff goes off to our Chinese, our new found friends in the game design and publication business panda game manufacturing and they will create eons cosmic expansions can't wait yes it's going to be awesome and uh we can't wait for it to come out and you guys will be able to if you didn't get it the first time you you will be able to and you can in fact go to thegamernation.org and go to buy our stuff Hit the link that says, I think it actually says, buy our stuff. And you can, <laughs> st- you can still buy it and uh, uh, pre-order copies of the expansion and then buy the original Eons game, which, you know, it's a great game. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. It's a great game. Anybody sa- who's saying anything about it. Hey, we, you know, we've gotten way more positive reviews than negative reviews. And even the ones that are negative aren't that negative. They say it's a good game. It's got a couple of things that we would change, you know? And so, I don't, you know. But you can't please everybody. I mean, nah. there's people out there who complain about Catan. Oh, yeah, and Power Grid. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's people out there yeah. that rate Power Grid a one. They're the same idiots that probably rate Eons a one. Because, yeah. they, you know, because they just don't get it or they don't have the mental capacity to get what the game is really about. Oh, don't insult their intelligence. Well, They're just not interested in that kind of gameplay. I'm not going to. Okay, yeah. you're right. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. They're too stupid to understand the game, though. I mean, well, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I, I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. They just, you know, they, they. Uh, you know what? We can think it. We just don't need to say it. That's that whole ninety percent rule, right? You, you, the the ten percent of stuff you think and don't say are, isn't supposed to escape your pie hole. Right. Yeah. It's called it's called a mental filter. Mental filter. I yeah. remember that. Hey, I still don't have any good uh, stuff in chat here. Anybody gonna give me a show title or what? Oh no, they did. They gave you a show title. It. Hold on. I'll find it. Oh. Okay. Um. Hold on. I keep going. Gotta hand cannon it to her. 
The other option they had from earlier was the Phantom Attack of the Revenge of the New Strike of the Return of the TG. That's just way too long. <laughs> I think we'll get kicked off iTunes for that one. <laughs> Got a hand cannon it to her. Hmm. That one doesn't excite me that much either. Everybody loved it. Really? Yes, including Chris. Oh, Jim Chris appeared in the chat for a little bit? He did. Well, got a hand cannon it to her, huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess, oh, look, there he is in chat, no less. The sick man himself. Yeah, they're all like, what? You don't like it? See, you've offended them, Dave. Well, you know, hey, who am I to argue with the masses? I, I just won't do it. I, you know, don't don't do it. Yeah, I know. That's right. Back with more TG. (laughs) (laughs) Now with one hundred percent more TG. Now with infinity percent more TG. (laughs) Mm Mhm. All right. Okay. So um, I think that's. You have anything else you want to talk about while we wrap up the show here at the two-hour mark? No. We could talk about the really cool nail polish that I got, but I don't think they're going to find that as Probably not, especially since we can't give them a visual. Yeah, not going to do that. I'm wearing workout clothes. (laughs) Not going to do that. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Okay. All right, we'll do that. And so we will say to you, Gamer Nation, good night and good luck.